This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 9, episode 39. This is Writing Excuses, publicity for books. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And we have special guest star, Patty Garcia. Say hi, Patty. Hi, Patty. <laughs> Patty is a publicist at Tor Books. She has, what's that, publicity director Thank at you. Tor Books. I'm sorry. She has worked on my books and many other books and everyone's books mm-hmm. and all of our books, I guess. She's yeah. never um, done publicity for me. Oh, yes. Well, you don't really have You're publicity. You're not cool enough. Yeah. You're, that's because everybody knows you already. That's true. Oh. You're already there. <laughs> and that one did go on tape. <laughs> <laughs> and continuing our theme from last time, Patty is also a rock star. Yes. True story. So from the Rats in New York, you're the bass player. Yes, I am. So let's talk about publicity for books. Now, new writers often have a lot of preconceived notions about publicity and about what will happen with books and what works and what doesn't. And I'm going to share a little story here first and then let, let you get into the, my most eye-opening moment with publicity. And this might actually be more marketing, and that's one thing that authors don't get straight is what is marketing, what is publicity. I came in and said, so we're going to do some advertisements for my books. Um, and the, um, I think it was actually Tom who quoted at me the price that it costs to buy an ad in the New York Times. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but he quoted it at me. And my jaw dropped, and I realized it was more money than Tor would earn off of my entire book's print run to run one ad. And suddenly, how this works all changed in my head, where I realized they can't spend more money on the ad, on one ad for one day, than my book will make. This is why you're not going to be on TV. This is not why it's going to be very rare to get newspaper um, advertisements and things like this. So I'm like, well, what is publicity then? And I had no idea. Patty's going to tell us what it is. It is good times, my friends. Lots of good times, (laughs) let me tell you. Um, So basically, our job in publicity is to um, get the book's uh, review coverage, um, get the author's um, interviews, get them on podcasts. Um, It's basically getting the book out uh, out into the world so that um, people that are producing um, online or in newspapers or wherever they happen to be looking, um, uh, to get them information about the book and that it exists. And it exists in a way, again, with the reviews and the interviews and people talking about the book, which is to say an advertisement is, that's just, you know, like a a static thing that's just kind of off to the side of the page. Um, And this is more author, author interactive, we hope. Because, um, you know, the number of books that are being published, um, it's a lot of zeros. It's probably close to pi at this point. (laughs) And I'm talking about self-published and e-only and everything. So um, that's relative to the number of, um, before newspapers, back in the old days, uh, newspapers used to do a lot of book review coverage. Well, the newspapers are kind of going by the wayside. Um, unfortunately, and also um, they're shrinking, and so there is no longer a dedicated book section in most major newspapers anymore. And so it's really difficult, but um, that's still where a lot of people are looking for books. Now, that being said, there are still some really great ones, um, and that cover genre as well, since we're doing a um, genre podcast. Um, 
believe it or not, Michael Deirda at the Washington Post is amazing, and he um, covers a lot of genre, and he's great. Um, Dallas Morning News covers genre, go figure. Cleveland, um, Plains Journal, um, LA Review sometimes does it. So it's very interesting. Um, and I'm just talking about newspapers right now, because again, still a lot of people look to newspapers for book coverage and book reviews. Um, then when I started in publicity at Tor in 2006, they had just started doing online um, um, reviews, and we first started to see the blogs and things. It was Patrick's Fantasy Hot List, and mm -hmm. um, oh, oh, Pat's oh, Fantasy Patrick, Hot List. Yep, exactly. Uh. It was two. It was Pat, and it was um, a much loving, a fantasy book critic mm -hmm. with much love and respect, Robert Thompson, because that's how he always signs off an email. Much love and respect. Robert Thompson. So his name is one word, and that is it. In any case, um, so those were the only two real games in town, but hey, you know, they, we would take them. And now it's just grown. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's just out of control with the number of online sites and fans. And so let me ask you a question on this. Mm -hmm. How, as a publicity director, publicist, you're working on a book, how do you distinguish? Like, I will get um, hundreds of people who want review copies of my books. And we'll come and say, you know, can you send me one? And um, I'm always like, oh, I'd love to have a review. But then part of me says, but we can't send them to everybody. And how do we determine which of these blogs we're sending to? How do we allocate our resources? Because it seems like that's the most important thing that you can decide is how do I allocate my resources or the resources the publisher has given me, the monetary or the time. So um, I, every house is different, but generally publicists get anywhere from 150 to 200 review copies, and that sounds like a lot, but when you think that you have to send two to Publishers Weekly, which is a trade magazine, two to Locus, two, you know, there's certain review places that they want two copies. The New York Times wants two copies, one for the review editor and one for whoever might get one out for review. And let me tell you, every time you follow up and say, hey, did you receive this book and will you review it? Mm, there's a big percentage. So if I'd say 80% of the time, they're going to say, I never received the book. And they did. They just haven't opened up the package because if you've ever been in the office of a reviewer, like you're afraid that one day you're going to read their open and they're just going to find their feet sticking out from this pile of books because they just get too many books and so many books. Well, but then so, they've got a good excuse to not review. Yeah, exactly. Because they might, because yeah. it's like Jenga. Crushed by Wheel of Time <laughs> yeah, or Stormlight Archive yes, books. Yes, exactly. Uh, crushed by the Stormlight Archive book. And in your case, it's just the one. Mm -hmm. So, you know. So, um, the one. Book, this so. book fell off the shelf right, exactly. onto Jason Denzel and he's exactly, now dead. Exactly, exactly. Along with Jason Denzel. So, Patty, so. Is, it, is it, would you say, my assumption is, having been in the business for, for 10 plus years now, that word of mouth is what sells books. Is this our primary um, method? I, so it, it's really interesting that this word of mouth is our method. And as I was coming to understand publicity a little bit more, what, this is one of the things that I kind of started to figure out is a lot of brands aren't selling off of word of mouth. A lot of like mainstream brands or whatever, like um, toothpastes are not selling as much off of word of mouth. They're selling off the advertising. You go into the store, you are browsing for toothpaste, you see the one that you saw the advertisement for, and the advertising on the package makes you buy it. Whereas when you read a great book, you talk about it more, I feel, than you talk about a toothpaste. Um, unless there's something revolutionary Maybe about your it. your books. <laughs> and so for a lot of industries out there, what they're trying to do is brand themselves in the right way so that when you walk by, because everybody wants toothpaste, hopefully, they see yours. Where with books, not everybody reads. Um, a certain percentage of the population is going to read a book for fun next year. And it's a much smaller percentage than is going to use toothpaste. And so our job is not to do the same sort of branding, advertising, so much as to get some advocates who will talk about our books to people. Yes, you are correct, sir. 
$500, you're correct. Um, that is true, and so that is, uh, that's exactly what we were trying to accomplish by getting the reviews, by getting um, online mentions, by getting authors that are amenable and have the time to do um, blog tours where they'll write posts or do Q&As. But another aspect of our job, particularly for me as um, the director of the department, is I'm trying to get the booksellers excited. Those are the people in the store. Mm. So when someone goes in the store saying, you know, like, my son likes to read you know, and then, but they don't know what to get them. So that a bookseller is knowledgeable to say, I have the perfect book for you. Um, you know, you like uh, Reg uh, Regency stories with a, just a hint of magic. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> um, so uh, Mary Robinette Cole, she's a milk and honey without a summer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, <laughs> that's my job as a publicist too, to never stop plugging. But well, um, speaking but of plugging, oh, is it? It's time for the book of the week. So, Already? speaking of plugging, fast. do you have a plug for us of a, a book that they can get? Oh, God. I wish I was an auctioneer because I would name every single book that Tor publishes because that's my job, especially with several of my authors on stage here with me and in the audience. But um, I have to say the book that I choose to plug um, is, uh, and this was hard, but then again, not that hard. Uh, there's a woman um, that, uh, this is her pseudonym. Her name is Kath her pseudonym is Catherine Addison. The book is oh. The Goblin Emperor. And when I read this book, as, as again, as the director, I have to read pretty much every book that we publish, and it's very difficult sometimes and not just because of the amount, but sometimes some of these books are just not my cup of tea because I just don't like that particular, you know. Uh -huh. And, it, you know, hey, we all have that, so I'm just being honest. And so um, I have to be honest, and I told her this. Her name is Sarah Monet in real life. I told Catherine, you know, that I, I was meeting her at C2E2, and I had read everybody's books that was going, and I needed to read hers. And I was like, oh, I don't want to read this because it's just a type of fantasy that I'm not a particular fan of. I figured I would read 60 books, just 60 pages, just to get a flavor of it, and I loved this book. It was so good. It was one of those books where you're walking and like reading at the same time and trying not to run into anything. And it's a big hardcover. That's hard to do. Um, and uh, and it's just really, it's just a really great story. It's a standalone. There is no, there is no like you know wait for the you got to read the next 10 books. Cough cough. Uh, you know whatever. Um, you know it's uh, it is just one book and it's a beautiful story and it's really well written. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I've written standalones before. Uh, <laughs> They're just as long as other people's series. I know, I know. So and this one's available on Audible. It is available on Audible. Outstanding. Head out to yes, audiblepodcast.com/slash/excuse and pick up the Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison. Yes. And Do you know who the narrator was? I'm sorry. I don't know who the narrator was. I apologize. That's over my pay grade. But um, I just <laughs> I would like to say one more thing, and that is thank you. We just won um, Locust Awards um, Best Publisher for the 27th year in a row. <laughs> wow. And um, let me tell you that um, we in the office are not, we are all like, you can't see me because it's on podcast, but it's basically this look, which is... <gasps> which is kind of like a surprise, happy, oh my God, my jaw's hitting the floor, because we never expect to win. I mean, I know that sounds stupid. I don't want to be like, um, um, oh, that famous actress, Meryl Streep, you know, but it's true. Like, we really, we just appreciate it so much because it's fan-driven, and we just never have any idea. We're against so many great publishers. We're putting out so many great works right now, and we had we were up against a lot of, um, you know, great people out there. So I just want to thank everybody for voting us again because we, we always appreciate it. We never rest on our laurels. So one of the things, going back to something we were talking about uh, before before the break, um, you know, trying to get it out there and, and having people talk about the book. One of the things we used to talk about uh, when I was doing this sort of thing with theater was that um, there was a theory that it took seven impressions to make a sale, that someone had to 
see something seven times before they remembered it enough to be like, oh, that thing, I should pick up that thing. Do you, do you have a sense of, of that with publicity? I mean, is that something that happens with publicity for books as well? Or is that something that is strictly for other mm. types yeah. of... Do you, do you have cold equations for <laughs> getting out that many reviews? Um, no, I mean... Like, is there a critical mass? Like, if I get it in enough places, it'll take off? You know, it's just, we have had books before where we have, um, you know, if we, if we do a blog tour, for instance, you know, we, a minimum is 20. If we can do up to 40, that's great. Anything over that, we're just, woohoo. We have had books, I won't name them here, but, um, you know, we've gotten over a hundred, um, um, online mentions, reviews, um, super successful blog tour, and it just doesn't even do a blip. Mm -hmm. You know, conversely, um, it used to be that authors wanted to be on the Today Show because that sold books. And I, um, we have another imprint that we do um, forge, and that's a whole other, whole other topic, a whole other show. But we have had authors from that imprint on the Today Show, and it just not even a not blip. a blip, not wow. a blip, not a thing, not, not any kind of movement. So it's really yeah. hard to say. Um, uh, Brian McClellan. Uh, his uh, Promise of Blood book, I think he's, he's published with Orbit. Um, I picked it up because I met Brian at a convention, and he was a fan of my comic, so out of duty, I decided to read his book. And it was on sale for like two ninety nine or something. I read it and loved it and blogged about it. And when I blog about things, I link to Amazon because I need to get paid somehow for giving away things on the Internet. And I can track, and I have sold 1,100 copies of his book. <laughs> 1,100 copies of his book. Funny thing happened. His publicist called me and said, can we send you copies of his next book? <laughs> and it occurred to me that as a, pub as a publicist, as a publicity director, you probably have your fingers on the pulses of some of these things. And how do you, how do, you do that? Because I would like to be able to get more free books, and I'm wondering how to show up on your radar. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, you know, a well-written, uh, we do, we, we do have to keep track of, of a gazillion different things, and that's why our eyes are constantly rolling in separate directions when you see us walking down the street. But um, we do keep um, track of those things because, um, you know, we have a LexisNexis, which is a, a generator of all the articles that come out that probably a lot of people know about. And of course, we use Google, and um, so is we Lexis can tell. Is LexisNexis something that... It's, we have access to, or is it? A, uh, it's expensive. Mostly, it's, um, uh, in-house type of people use. It's basically a way to track articles. Subscription aggregator. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, but so we would see it through that, as we would be able to see, you know, like, wow, look at all this activity. So, uh, but if a publicist isn't finding out, and you would like to receive books, um, a well-written, it doesn't have to be long, but just tell us what you're reviewing, how many blog hits you're getting, um, you know, a time frame of when we send you the book, because a lot of times we'll send a book and it doesn't get reviewed for a year and a half later, which is fine because we want the book to continue to sell, but what if it's out of print at that mm. point? You know, yeah. then so we kind of like it to be timely. And please, 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 please include your street address because oftentimes if I'm super busy and I get an email from somebody requesting a review copy and they don't have their address on there, I'm sorry. I just at this point I'm going to delete it because I just right. don't have time to go back and look it up. <laughs> Patty, I want to yeah. go in a slightly different direction with this. Um, let's say one of our listeners is a new author. Their book is just coming out. And either they have, like, publicity is just scaring them or they're feeling like they're lost. What is your advice for a new author? What steps should they take? What things can they do? How can they work on their own? How can they work with their publisher? That sort of thing. Okay. 
So the number one number number one rule is be nice. Please, please be nice. You would not believe how many people are not nice in this universe. Um, but that's just kind of an aside. But um, you know, just have ready. Please know that we have databases that we use. So obviously, we're going to be sending your book to your local newspaper, your local radio stations. Um, we have a great list of science fiction, fantasy. We have it broken down by a genre, like urban fantasy, magical realism, zombies, vampires, cats. Where you know, whatever the whole thing. So we have a pretty good list. So um, we, you know, writing to us and telling us that you know we should be sending your book to Locus Magazine is just not at all helpful and takes time <laughs> out of our afternoon. So maybe just come up with um, if you had like three ideas or something of hey here three here are three different um, types of pitches you could use. You know here's a here's an idea use this to pitch. Here's an idea use this to pitch. Come up with different um, um, like maybe write four different posts for blog posts that we could we could use um, because bloggers like to receive. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, we, I see a lot of that happening these days. And sometimes, I mean, there, Barnes & Noble blog will come to us and say, hey, yeah. do you want something and whatnot? So, or can you do something? So yeah, having a few of these ready could be really yeah, useful. Yeah, exactly. Have them ready to go. So, so if, you, if, if, the public, if the publicist, publicity department hasn't set up a blog tour, are there things that the writer can do in order to get that ball rolling so that something like that happens? Yeah. I mean, because sometimes blog tours are effective. I... Mm -hmm. One thing that, uh, that, that mine asked me was, um, and, and she didn't phrase it this way, but, uh, but if I knew any trendsetters, basically. Mm -hmm. yep. like, uh, and trendsetters mm -hmm. are people that, like, like Howard Taylor, John <laughs> Scalzi. Well, no, I'm, I'm a tastemaker. Tastemaker. <laughs> tastemaker, trendsetters. But, sorry. <laughs> Someone people runs from is probably not as, <laughs> not as <laughs> catchy. Yeah, um, but but that would that would be exactly. one of the things. Well, and Mary, you've got the uh, the favorite bit thing mm -hmm. on your right. blog, and um, and Scalzi has one that's that's similar to that. The big idea. The big idea, the big which idea. is where I got the idea for my favorite bit. Mm -hmm. The big idea mm -hmm. for you, my favorite bit. What's one funny <laughs> is that when I wrote a thing for favorite bit and for big idea and looked at them side by side, I realized I am not allowed to write the same piece for both because Mary and John know each other. <laughs> and it's not that. It's that we have audience overlap. Mm -hmm. Well, yes. <laughs> well, and when you're writing something like this, you know, it helps to, to think outside the box as much as you can. You know, You can only read so many articles of, here's what I think about my own book, uh, the most successful blog tour I ever did was a timeline of the partial series, which was not me talking about the series. It was not me talking about the characters or where the ideas came from. It was just a bunch of world-building information that uh, was ended up being super popular with the audience. Well, didn't you do some tour post type things about sociopathy when we were when you were doing the John Cleaver? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just trying to, to get as wide a variety of, of blog articles. Yes, that's great. Yeah, I have a lot of creative ideas. You know, this whole about like who my favorite authors are and what my writing inspiration comes from, you know, just as much as you get a little tired of, of answering those right. questions, you know, mm -hmm. people don't really, that's just not what we want to pitch. We want to use the pitch. You know, those you want to have a really cool blog idea to pitch. Yeah, exactly. And if you had it in hand and Barnes & Noble came to, you, came to you and said, we want Brandon Sanderson, and Brandon Sanderson says, I can't write a blog post for you for this if you had in hand by this new author, we have this really cool thing that this yeah, author exactly. wrote. Why don't exactly. you take that instead? Exactly. Being yeah. there for when the authors who already have a slot can't fill the slot, I think is, is I've seen when um, newer authors get a huge amount of publicity, it's when a bigger author drops the ball. Um, I've heard Pat Rothfuss talk about the fact that you know there was, there was a big author at DAW who missed a deadline 
and they had already set aside all these resources, and Pat's book was ready. Yep. And Pat said, yes, I'll do that. And then suddenly, um, all, of this th all of these things happen. So being ready, being proactive mm -hmm. might be the place Let me, to be. I, I, I want to go back to this point that mm -hmm. you've made because it sounds fascinating. Uh, as, a, as a new writer, putting together interesting essays yeah. that touch on your book, putting them together in advance of knowing where they're going to go, and just handing them to the publicist, publicity right, department, yeah. is a valuable exercise? Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, well, not. I mean, we don't want to make you do all the work. Yeah. No, but, 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 those, but having you having that thing mm -hmm. yes. means that if an opportunity presents itself, you can just execute, exactly. and yeah. exactly. that's a thing that writers can and should do. Yes, we exactly. are out of time. Um, I would like to make mention um, for for Patty's sanity. Um, you may see Patty at a trade show or at a comic con or something. Patty can't buy your book. Yes. Patty's a publicist, um, and Patty does have people coming up to the, the booth all the time saying, will you read my manuscript to buy it? That's not Patty's job. That's job. Paul Stevens' job, yes. and he's going to be on our next podcast. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Paul. Um, all right. We need a writing prompt. Uh, okay. Here is, here is your writing prompt. Uh, you need to write an essay that touches on one of your books that will interest people in your book, uh, and you are going to hand this essay uh, to a publicist, whether or not you have one. Imagine that you've got a publicist. Uh -huh. This is the essay that you are writing, and I think that's an exercise. That's a that, fantastic uh, one. Mm -hmm. Woo! Well done, Howard. Do. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.